In this episode, we begin by getting yelled at by Jack. Then we do some decorated belly gazing. We check out a movie that is literally incredible. Then we contemplate the correct reaction to a historical deal, all on the way to answering the question, can you handle the truth? Welcome to the Sky Pilot Podcast that explores questions of faith, spirituality, and religion. I'm Dan Matthews, and I don't have all the answers, but I do enjoy the questions. Welcome to the podcast where every question is an invitation into a spiritual quest, and you're invited along for the journey. Can you handle the truth? You can't handle the truth! Jack Nicholson says no, but I think you can. So allow me to begin by quoting from one of the classics. Now, the star-bellied Sneetches had bellies with stars, but the plain-bellied Sneetches had none upon theirs. But because they had stars, all the star-bellied Sneetches would brag, we're the best kind of Sneetch on the beaches. With their snoots in the air, they would sniff and they'd snort. We'll have nothing to do with a plain belly snort. And whenever they met some, when they were out walking, they'd hike right on past them without even talking. Thus begins one of my all-time favorite stories by Dr. Seuss. As the story says, there are two types of sneeches. Some have stars on their bellies and some don't. Those with stars have decided, for whatever reason, they are the better sneech far superior to the plain belly sort. Now, along comes a character named Sylvester McMonkey McBean, and he invents a remarkable machine that can turn this plain-bellied sneeches into the star-belly sneeches. So all the plain-bellied types line up with their money, and they have themselves changed into the star-belly variety. Now, suddenly, those who had originally had stars on their bellies were not so different anymore, and that which had made them feel superior, was suddenly very common. But McBean built another machine to remove belly stars. And the chaos really begins at this point. In no time at all, the Sneetches are all penniless and no longer have any idea who was who to begin with. McBean drives away laughing about the stupidity of Sneetches and thus goes the Dr. Seuss allegory about the potential danger within the Christian faith. Okay, I'm pretty sure he didn't actually mean it as a faith allegory, but it works really well as one anyway. You see, within Christianity, there is an element of believers who not only believe, but celebrate that they are amongst the few, the chosen, the elite, who are special in God's eyes. And Sylvester McMonkey McBean represents an element of books, churches, even pastors who specialize in affirming this notion. They peddle a certain kind of judgmental smug certainty that allows and even encourages people to believe that they're better than others. They are amongst the divinely chosen. At the heart of this ongoing internal theological debate within Christianity is a question. Is salvation for everyone or just a few? And if it is for everyone, then does it really have any value? There is 
sometimes within Christianity, a belief, I think it's actually based in fear, that the gifts we are to receive from God are only truly valuable if there are some people who are deemed unworthy. According to this belief, being lovable only counts if there are some who are considered unlovable. In 2004, Pixar released the movie The Incredibles, and it's an animated movie about a world in which superheroes really exist. A young boy who is a brilliant inventor but doesn't have any powers gets snubbed early in the movie by a superhero, and therefore he becomes a supervillain later in life with the help of his amazing inventions. Near the climax of the movie, he has captured the heroes and is telling them his plan as evil villains in movies are wont to do. So I'll let him explain it himself in his own words. I'll give them heroics. I'll give them the most spectacular heroics anyone's ever seen. And when I'm old and I've had my fun, I'll sell my inventions so that everyone can be superheroes. Everyone can be super. And when everyone's super... (laughs) No one will be. (laughs) Whenever I hear that line from this movie, I imagine that It is the voice of the villainous potential at the heart, well, at the heart of many Christians. If everyone is super, no one will be. Or in our case, if everyone is special in the eyes of God, then no one will really be special at all. I've often preached and taught about God's desire to make sure that everyone experiences the benefit of salvation. And I've had people come up to me many times afterwards, and say, if everyone gets in, what's the point? If God's just going to love and forgive everyone, why even try to be good? I think the problem is that we take some of our economic beliefs and we place them on our faith. So a prize is really only valuable if there's a competition and some people lose. And that's tends to be true in capitalism, not in Christianity. And we shouldn't confuse the two. So what does the Bible say? Well, I'm glad you asked. There is enough stuff in the quotes from Jesus that you can probably find what you want to find there and make his words mean what you want them to mean. And if you read it all, you can even sometimes find some seemingly contradictory things at times. In hopes of clarifying some of the contradictions, I'm going to give you my thoughts. So in the book of Matthew, in the seventh chapter, you will find the quote about the narrow gate. And it's this, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the road is easy that leads to destruction, and there are many who take it. For the gate is narrow, and the road is hard that leads to life, and there are few who find it. It seems to say, make good choices that will lead you to good things because the majority of people will not. Now I'm going to offer you another quote from Jesus. And this one's from the 12th chapter of John. And Jesus says, he's talking about his own death with the disciples. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. 
Now, how do I reconcile the difference between these two? One seems to say that most people are doomed by their own bad choices. And the other says something else entirely that everybody's going to be allowed in. To me, I think they both are true. In the book of Romans, Paul talks about our inability to really do the right thing. I do not understand my own actions, he says, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. And that's the nature of the conundrum. We want salvation, but we fall short of doing the things that will earn it. I believe that's what the first quote is all about. The way towards earning our own salvation is a hard road with a frighteningly narrow gate. Can any of us really hope to enter by that path? But there is another way. First, let's remember that God taking flesh in the form of Jesus was only necessary if widening the gate was the goal. If God longed to narrow the path and bar even more people from heaven, well, that plan certainly did not necessitate the incarnation. The incarnation only makes sense as a way of inviting all of humanity to be part of God's loving plan. Now, not everyone at the time of Jesus recognized him for who he was. Let's be honest, I'd actually argue that not a single person recognized him for truly who he was. There are stories about people in Scripture who caught glimpses and understood maybe just for a moment a portion of it. But if you look at the story of Jesus, he died abandoned by his friends because no one really fully understood at the time. It was only later, and with the help of his post-resurrection appearances and the gift of the Holy Spirit, that his followers began to piece together the reality of his life and ministry. So if no one even got it at the time of Jesus, did anyone, does anyone ever make the cut? Well, that's what makes Jesus' proclamation from John so powerful. He says, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people, the whole world, to myself. Jesus did not bring to earth a recipe for us to earn our salvation. Jesus is the salvation. And what he wanted people to know is that when he has died and then risen, or as he says it in this quote, when he is lifted up, he will draw all the world to himself. So that is Jesus' plan. It is through his life, his death, his resurrection to bring everyone along for the journey, everyone along for the plan of salvation. Interestingly, the problem is not with Jesus. The problem is with us. Can we hear that the gifts of God are universally offered and available, and can we still feel the specialness of God's love? How do we answer that realization? Now, I guess you can tell by this point that I have a tendency to hear and see theology in everything. As you can tell, I've started by quoting a children's book, two different movies. So at this point, what else can I use? I know I can use a cell phone commercial. There is a great moment in this cell phone commercial in which the customer discovers as great as his deal is, everyone else is getting the same deal. His reaction to that realization is what I really notice every time I hear this commercial. 
I'm making history, right? Yeah, I don't know if I'd exactly wow, see me, Dave Brown, existing customer who got the greatest deal in history. Just like every other customer gets. Oh, that's cool, too. As we read the Bible and hear the stories of Jesus, we come to the realization, I'm being offered something amazing. I'm being offered the most amazing deal in the history of humanity. I'm being offered God's love and salvation for all time. And then we hear the voice of God also saying, just like everyone else. And then the question falls to us, how do we respond to that discovery? Do we respond to this news with a temperamental and selfish, no, me, only me, it has to be for just me? Or can we hear the news of the depth and breadth of God's love and celebrate that we are blessed to have been created by a loving God who truly loves everyone? Isn't that really the job of those who realize what God has done? Can you handle the truth? The truth of just how generous and loving our Creator is. If you can handle the truth, then there's just one thing left to do. Celebrate the news. That's all for today. On your spiritual journey, may you ask questions. Seek answers and boldly go wherever the quest takes you. Be sure to check me out on Facebook. Just search for Sky Pilot Faith Quest. And if you want to get in touch with me, my email is skypilot with three T's, S K Y P I L O T T T at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to Sky Pilot Faith Quest. I invite you to send me a question or leave a review. And remember, the sign of a strong faith, solid religion, or healthy spiritual journey is not certainty, but that you keep asking questions.